started a new sermon series in um, Mark. And Mark, as you know, is the, is the shortest gospel of the four gospels about Jesus's life. Mark is the shortest. It is to the point and it is powerful. When students ask me, and they, they're maybe a brand new Christian, and they say, what do I start reading in this Bible? I usually don't point them towards Genesis. I usually say, start reading Mark because it's, if, if you're not a huge reader, if you don't like reading a ton, um, like me, I'm not a super big, big reader. The book of Mark is, is the shortest gospel and it's to the point and it's a powerful message. Um, but real quick, we're going to review um, Kelly's points from last week if you missed it. Um, I want to encourage you, you can go online and hear that sermon, um, I believe, online now. But our first point from last week, Bill's going to bring up there for us. I think I have him. Yeah, review from last week. I didn't do this last, ser- last service. But the good news is that Jesus, Son of God, came to forgive our sins and fill us with the Holy Spirit. Amen? We can be louder than that. Amen? Amen. Point number two it was the good news is that God the Father loves you and his favor rests on you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Point number three from last week. The good news is that Jesus understands our temptation and will help us when tempted. Amen? There we go. That's pretty good. We're waking up. Amen. Amen, amen. That's a lot of amens. Okay. Um, So to start off this morning... Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this. This is actually on Netflix. There's a movie called The Gospel of Mark. And the cool thing is, is that it's word for word. I, I believe it's the NIV version. If, if you want to open your Bibles up to Mark chapter 1, I believe it's going to start with, with verse 9. We're only going to go through a few verses. We're going to do a little bit of Kelly's verses from last week. It's going to kind of lead us into uh, this week's verses. But the whole Gospel of Mark is a big movie, and they actually do word-for-word Scripture. And so if you're not a big reader like me, it's a great way to read your Bible by watching it and listening to it word-for-word. So it's pretty cool. Um, We're going to show that clip here as we go. Awesome. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. God, I pray that as we open your word, God, I pray that you would be here in 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 our midst God, I pray that you would use me to just communicate your message for us this morning. In your name we pray, amen. So John is preaching that there's going to be someone coming, and he's building anticipation. It's almost like you can feel the momentum beginning to build, and people are going out into the wilderness, and John is eating honey and locusts. And by the way, if you read Leviticus, which I've been reading in my morning devotions, which isn't really a super fun book to read for devotions, but if you read Leviticus, there's a whole chapter on what bugs the Jews could eat. And locusts was an okay bug. So John's following the rules. He's eating the locusts. He's not eating the wrong kind of bugs. He's eating the right kind of bugs. But anyways, he's out there, and he's preaching, and he's getting this following. And then one of the first things that Jesus does is he gets water baptized. And I want to encourage you, if you have not been water baptized, it's a pretty powerful, cool thing. And so I want to encourage you, we're, we're going to have another baptism coming up pretty soon. And if you are interested in water baptism, the water doesn't save you. There's no power in the water. But what it is, is it's a symbol. It's a sign to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give something up, which is a little bit of my comfort for God. And I'm going to say, I'm following him with everything I have, and even to the point where I'm going to come before the whole church and get baptized. And so if you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you, you got a connection card online or in your bulletin, Right on there. I want to be water baptized. Put it on there, okay? If that's you, I um, want to encourage you to get water baptized. But Jesus, he gets water baptized, and then the, the, the heavens open up, and, the, and, and, and the, the, this was the first time 
that God spoke in 400 years of silence. Okay, in the history of the Israelites, there's 400 years of silence. There was no miracles. There was no prophets. There was no, you know, God hadn't, he was silent for a long time. And then the sky opens up and he says to this, this to Jesus. And Jesus then goes right into the wilderness to get tempted. And then, like I said, Mark, he's, he's just on it. He's like, boom, 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 boom. Next thing, what happens? John is in prison. Wow, that was quick. There's like a ton of detail there, Mark. Thanks, man. But if you want more detail... There's a lot of, there's other gospels that are more detailed, but um, Mark just goes right into it and he says, Mark 1, chapter 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. 400 years they waited. People waited, 400 years, and finally now, the Son of God, God, Jesus, who is 100% man, he's 100% God, and now he's, he's been baptized, he's been tempted in the wilderness, and now he's starting his, his ministry, and he says, the time is now come. And I'm sure a lot of people were, like, getting excited. And I'm sure a lot of people were like, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't believe that. Well, maybe, maybe. Oh, let's see. Let me go hear him. Let's see what he says. But the Son of God is now proclaiming the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The other thing that we know is, is that during this time period, the Israelites, they were in, essentially, um, it, not slavery, but they were, the Roman Empire had complete control of that whole area. And so when, when Jesus started preaching, the kingdom of God is going to come. A lot of people got pretty excited because they were thinking political kingdom. They were thinking earthly, worldly kingdoms here. And they're going, yes, this guy is going to be our commander. He's going to be our leader. He's going to lead us into battle. And they're probably getting excited. They're probably thinking about tactics. They're probably like, man, how can I get my, my sword sharpened? How can I get my shield out without the Romans finding out? And how can I do this? And how can I do that? Because we've got to help Jesus take over the Roman Empire. You know, that's kind of what they were thinking. And their view of what Jesus was coming to do was so small. But in reality, Jesus had a way way bigger perspective of what he was doing. Not only was he going to save, uh, he, was, he, he wasn't going to save them from the Romans, he was going to save them from eternal, eternity in hell. <laughs> and he was going to give them uh, the gift of life that not, not just those people, but the entire world. And so he had a way bigger goal in mind. And I think some, sometimes our human brains, we get thinking on, man, God, how can you do this thing? Or how can you do this? Or how can you do this, make this better? When really God's got a totally different perspective that he's, he's not even thinking like the same level we're thinking. He's thinking 10 times bigger. And so I think this is an example of that where Jesus is coming in. People are probably getting all excited because he says, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, believe the good news. And then Jesus does something that's interesting. He could have done his whole ministry alone. He's God, okay? He could have done whatever he wanted. But instead of do, going alone, he assembles a team. He puts the Avengers together, okay? If you're a, a Marvel fan, okay? We're getting the Avengers together here. And I, I just think that is interesting because he, he could have done it alone, but instead he said, I'm going to surround myself with other people that I can teach, that I can, uh, that I can help empower, and that are imperfect, but yet I'm going to call them up to be ministers of the gospel for me, which is, pretty, is a pretty remarkable thing. Um, could you imagine if Jesus would have, like, put a job description in of what he was looking for. It's like, I'm looking for somebody that's willing to not be paid. I'm looking for somebody that's willing to leave everything that they have. 
I'm looking for someone that's really probably willing to go to different towns and sleep on the floor. I'm looking for somebody that's maybe going to get food depending on if I do a miracle or not, you know. Um, but it doesn't sound super attractive. You know, there's probably not like thousands of people lining up to come follow Jesus at this moment. But Jesus um, doesn't put a job description out there. He doesn't like, you know, throw it in the newspaper. I don't even think they, I mean, obviously they didn't have newspapers in that time period. But what he does is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, he goes and he calls people to follow him. And if it were me, if it were you, and you had an unlimited amount of resources, and you could pick 12 people to drastically change the world forever, what would you do? Well, I probably would pick someone with multiple PhDs, okay? I would probably pick someone that, that looked really good, that was good in an interview, that talked well, that communicated well. I'd pick somebody that maybe had a lot of money and a lot of wealth and a lot of influence. And I love the fact that our God doesn't do that. I love the fact that he doesn't do that. What does he do? He goes to the fishermen. He goes to the beach. And the beach wasn't a vacation spot. The beach was a place of employment. It was a place of hard work and sweat. And he goes to the beach and he calls four guys in this scripture to follow him. I think that gives, gives me some hope. And it's like sometimes I don't feel like I'm qualified. Sometimes I feel like, man, I don't, I don't have a PhD. Sometimes I feel like, man, I don't have... I don't have this, I don't have that, but it's cool that Jesus, he, our God loves making weak people strong. And in our weakness, that's where God becomes powerful. And he takes these uneducated fishermen and then he changes the world. So we're assembling the Avengers. Mark 1:16. as Jesus walks beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting the net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. I love that it's immediate. When Jesus calls them, it's like they immediately leave what they have and they go. Um, in the Gospel of Luke, if you want to read more detail on the story, like I said, Mark is to the point. He's the shortest gospel. Luke talks about it a little more in Luke 5, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 2 through 11. And Jesus shows up, and he actually gets into the boat, and he begins preaching to the people. He gets in Simon's boat, and he preaches a little bit to the people. And then after that, um, Jesus says, let's go out and fish. Let's go out and go fishing. And Peter's like, I've been fishing all night, and I haven't caught anything. And Jesus is like, I don't care, go out and fish. And he says, okay, I'll go out and fish. And so he goes out and he fishes and, and, and Jesus says, no, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And so, Jesus, so, so Simon throws his nets on the other side of the boat and they get this massive miracle amount of fish and they pull it in. And it was like, it, it, I mean, we, we could do a whole message just on, on Luke, um, Luke chapter five, verses two through 11, because there's a lot they can preach in there about the fact that, that, yeah, you may be trying it your way, but let's try it God's way, and then boom, you catch a huge amount of fish. And so there's a ton there, but, but we're, we're sticking to Mark, Mark 1 here, okay? So that's, that's Luke, if you do want to read that. The other, the other, uh, another interesting thing I found as I was studying this topic about these scriptures is that the, the, the disciples, for the, the first time that they heard this idea, this analogy of, I'm going to have you fish for people, wasn't the first time they heard it. 
potentially, if they had been going to the synagogue and if they'd been reading um, the Old Testament, it's, uh, the, the analogy of fishing for people is actually in Jeremiah 16, 16. It's in Ezekiel 29, 4 through 5. It's in Amos 4, uh, 4 2, and it's in Habakkuk 1, 14 through 17. I was kind of shocked when I heard it. I didn't know that. I was like, wow. Interesting, and you read them, they're a little bit, uh, they're, they're different contexts, but still that analogy of I'm going to have you fish for people um, was still there. So Jesus calls the four disciples um, at, this, at, the, at this riverfront, and I think that this analogy that Jesus uses, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people, is so similar to the Great Commission, so similar to the Great Commission. And I believe that this morning, just like God called his disciples in the Great Commission to make disciples, God is calling you and me to be fishers of people. And so let's read the Great Commission. We've read it a million times, hopefully, okay? But hopefully this, you know, we read it again, and hopefully it speaks to you this morning. Matthew 28, 18, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's that baptism again right there. Boom, baptizing them. 20, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As I was preparing my sermon this, this week, um, I sent Pastor Kelly my, my notes, and our pastor is awesome. I mean, he's a very, very wise guy, okay? And I was trying to summarize my whole sermon into, like, one line. And I was kind of coming up with lines and, you know, coming up with lines there, kind of, eh. And then Kelly's like, how about this one? And so I'm going to quote Kelly here because he, he gave me this, and I'm going to share it with you because it's good, okay? As we follow Jesus, he will make us into irresistible messengers of the good news. As we follow Jesus, he will make us into irresistible messengers of the good news. Man, that's good. Isn't that good? Amen. We can get some amens going for that one. Amen. That's good. Um, and I, and I love how he put, it this, put this in the email he sent to me too. He said, I think the, the idea behind I will make you fishers of men is that Jesus does the work within us by the Holy Spirit to make us want to share this good news with others in a way that is attractive and irresistible. If I don't want to see people come to Jesus, am I truly following Christ the way he intends? And for me, I read that, I was like, man, that's good, Kelly. Thank you for that, because I'm going to share that, and everybody's going to like that. Okay, but um, I love how he words that, because we as Christians need to be living a life that other people are wanting to emulate. They're saying, what do they, what do they have that I don't have? The Bible says they will know us by our love. And so, you know, they're going to see how we're living our life, and they're saying, man, they're different. They're a little bit weird, maybe, even. They're a little strange, but I want what they have. And the Holy Spirit is what empowers us to live that way, first of all. But then also the Holy Spirit is what empowers us to have a heart for lost people. Okay, Our human nature is to think about us. How can I get a good house or a good boat? Or how can I do good in sports? Or how can I do this? Or how can I do that? How can I? But the Holy Spirit is what puts, uh, puts this, this desire in our hearts for lost people. Guys, there are people in the city of Albany. There are people at, our, at your schools that don't know Jesus loves them. And hopefully, that breaks our heart as a church, that there are people that are potentially gonna spend eternity in hell that we potentially could minister to, that could spend an eternity with Jesus 
that need him so desperately. And so before we get in, into my four main points this morning, I want to just kind of do a little heart check. Where is our heart? Where is our heart? Do we have a heart for the lost? And the cool thing is, is this, is if you don't, pray for it. Say, God, I really don't, don't have a huge desire to help the lost. Help me, help me love the lost people. But I love that last part of Kelly's line there is if you don't want, want to see people come to Jesus, am I truly following Christ the way that he intends? There's a story about a, a, an atheist, and this actually truly happened. I think it was to Wes Sheely. I don't, I, I'm not, not 100% sure, but it was this atheist guy, and, and, and he had a best friend that was a Christian. And he lived with them for, you know, hung out, did all sorts of stuff, best friends. And he finally said to him, he said, do you really care about me? And he was like, well, of course, I care about you. He said, well, if you really loved me and you believe I'm going to hell, why haven't you told me about Jesus? Because I'm not going to believe it and agree with it, but if you really love me, you don't, you'd, you'd share that with me if that's really what you believe. And that was an atheist that was coming out and saying, well, yeah, I just, that, that kind of spoke to me saying, whoa. You know, if you really love somebody, we're going to share with them about Jesus. I, I love this song Matthew West sings, um, Do Something. I'm going to read you the lyrics to it this morning. It says, I woke up this morning, I saw a world full of trouble. Now I thought, how did we ever get so far down? And how's it going to get turned around? So I turned my eyes to heaven and I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven and said, God, why don't you do something? He said, I did. I created you. If not us, then who? If not me and you, right now, it's time for us to do something. If not now, then when? We will see an end to all this pain. Oh, it's not enough to do nothing. It's time for us to do something. So here are four principles of fishing that we can apply to evangelism. You guys ready? You guys awake? Yeah? Anybody sleeping? Okay. Um, number one, fishing sometimes requires patience. Personally, I am a terrible fisherman, okay? And I think the reason is, is because I am impatient. I don't like waiting around, okay? But, um, one morning, I, I was probably about fourth grade. I go to, go to summer camp up at Camp Tadmore. Those of you maybe have been there, it's just outside of Lebanon. I'm at summer camp, and um, we're in the cool, you know, the log cabin, and, and we, it's the first night that we're there, and, and we're getting ready for bed. And, and I, I was just itching. I was ready to go fishing. I was so excited to go fishing because I was kind of in this fishing like mode. And so I had my tackle box, and I had my fishing pole. And, and so I said to the counselor, I said, Counselor, can I, can I get up and go fishing in the morning? And he's like, yeah, don't wake all of us up. Just get up and go fishing. And, you know, back in the day, you didn't have to be supervised all the time. So I get up at probably like 5.30, and I go fishing, and I'm excited. I'm like, I'm going to catch some fish. I got my cool bait. I got my cool tackle box. I got my fish. I throw my cast out there. It's just a nice still morning, and, you know, it's just, you can just see the, you know, bugs on the water, and sun's coming up, and I'm reeling it in. Nothing. 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 Stuck in a tree. <laughs> and I did that for about two hours, maybe two, three hours. 
And the story is, you know, going to be exaggerated. It's probably an hour. I don't know. But, you know, a couple hours. And it just seemed forever. And I'm not catching anything. And, and then uh, it was eight, breakfast was like at 8 o'clock. And my brother comes onto the, do- the fishing dock at about 7.45. And he's like, hey, man, what you catch? You catch anything? No. Didn't catch anything. And he says, can I, can I take a turn and cast one out? I'm like, go for it. You're not going to catch anything. Of course, he grabs a fishing pole. I'm not kidding. First cast. Hey, I think I caught something. Reels it in. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I am, I am not that great of a fisherman. And I, and I think the reason is, is because a lot of times I'm impatient. And I don't, like do, I don't like waiting. I like to just throw it out there and then like reel it in and throw it out and reel it in. But um, one of my favorite I, you guys are going to get to hear all my fishing stories today, by the way, because the <laughs> title of this message is Going Fishing. So we're going fishing. One of my favorite fishing stories, though, I caught a ton of fish because I was at a fish hatchery. <laughs> okay? So we had these bamboo, bamboo sticks, and then, and then they put, like, corn. You, you could have probably put a tin can on the end of it, and you'd catch fish. Because by the time the corn, like, hit the water, you'd have three fish trying to jump onto your line. And I'm like, yes, I love fishing this way. This is my kind of fishing. And so if you've ever been to a fish hatchery, you know that. that and I think with evangelism, sometimes that, that's the way it is. In some churches, you know, some places um, where, you know, you barely even get your, your, your hook out there. And you have people that are just coming to Jesus left and right. And it's this amazing, awesome experience, which is great. And that sometimes happens in ministry. But sometimes you, it requires patience. And sometimes you end up having to pray for somebody and pray for somebody and pray for somebody and pray for somebody. Talk to them. It's awkward. Pray for them. Pray for them. Talk to them. It's awkward. Pray for them. And then eventually, maybe they'll come to Christ or maybe they won't. A story of this for me personally was my Uncle Jerry. He was a, a public school teacher, amazing, amazing man, loved kids. But he was always kind of like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I believe Jesus is a good teacher. You know, he's a good man, but he's not really my savior. And maybe he is. I don't know. And so we prayed for him. And we prayed for him. And, and my aunt, and my, we prayed for him. And my aunt, we prayed for my aunt. And, uh, Eventually, just even a couple years ago, he accepted Jesus, got baptized, and he is a born-again, totally new creation in Jesus. And, it, and it's, exciting. it's exciting to see him. We got to go visit him, and then his wife becomes a Christian as well, and then his, his son is a Christian, and he's serving at his church. And it was just so cool to get to go and see that all of our, all of our years of praying finally paid off, that God, that God really knocked on the doors of their life, and they finally came. But sometimes... It requires patience, and sometimes it requires, it, sometimes it's just instantaneous like that. My second point this morning is that fishing is strategic and requires a plan, okay? Fishing is strategic and it requires a plan. There is a thousand different types of fish, thousands of different types of fish, and there is a ton of different ways to go fishing. Similarly, there is millions of different people and all of them have different personalities. All of them live in different cultures. And we have to have a strategy to minister to all different types of people. So a couple stories, more fishing stories. Um, my brother went to college at Seattle. And his, one of his roommates, um, after he was after, like a couple years after college, um, invited us to come up on a fishing trip with him to the San Juan Islands. I'd never been to the San Juan Islands before. And he said, we're going spearfishing. And I was like... That sounds like my kind of fishing. Get it? Don't have to sit there and wait. I just get to go down and shoot them. Okay. And so, um, I. But what do I have to do? I have to get my scuba gear, 
and I have to get that. And then I've got, we, we take it, we get my, rent my, I rent a bunch of scuba gear, and then we go up to San Juan's. He's got this big boat, and you could sleep in it. It was like almost like a camper, but it was on the water. And, you know, San Juan's is this beautiful, beautiful place. I don't know where we are. I don't know where we're going, but I'm just kind of following this, this guy who's like a master diver. And he goes, and he, he goes uh, lincod fishing, like, every day. And so, um, so he get, we jump in the water, and, I mean, he's got, he's got his... Spear gun. He's got his big, huge, like three thousand dollar underwater flashlight that to illuminate the water. And um, I didn't have a clue what I was doing at all. But I was like, "This is kind of fun." And so um, he's got the dry suit on. I've just got a wetsuit. But anyways, um, I'm certified to go sixty feet deep. And we get to the bottom, and I look at my thing, and it's like we're at a hundred feet under the water, and it's like pitch black. But then he gets his flashlight out and he starts, you know, all the sea anemones and all the different sea stuff on the bottom of the ocean. And we finally find like a lincod and he shoots it and he bags it. And, and then we go up to the surface and we barbecue it up. But that type of fishing required a strategy way different than me at a camp at Tadmore. If I would have, if I would have showed up to the San Juan Islands and got my power bait and thrown it in, no matter how many times I'd have done that, I would have never caught a lincod ever. But instead, we had a different strategy that I had to learn from someone who knew what they were doing. Um, another one, my dad's cousin in Florida, is a, he's not like a pro fisherman, but he like goes to competitions and wins them. And he's got this, another boat. It's totally different than the San Juan Island boat. It's completely different. And there's like this walkway you can walk, stand up on it so you're like get up high above the water. And he gives us all these Polaroid glasses and we have to put on these glasses. And so you could actually see the different colors of the water. And as we're, you know, you could see the fish. And then um, the strategy here was that you, you take chum, which is this, this kind of like guts and stuff, and you throw it out there. And then these little fish come and nibble on it. And then you, you throw a net over them. And then you actually get the little fish and you hook their nose. And then you cast out a live bait to catch a bigger fish. And so the strategy there was totally different than it was in the San Juans. It was totally different than when you go to Camp Tadmore or you go to a fish hatchery. And so similarly, when we're evangelizing, we got to be analyzing. We got to say, where are we going? Are you going to Uganda in the village? Because that strategy is going to look different if you're going to South Albany High School. Are you going to your place of employment? Are you going to the local park? Where are you, where are you going fishing? <laughs> and then make a strategy based on what you're doing. But don't go in and expect to just kind of throw your power bait out there and catch anything if you're in the wrong place. So make, make sure you have a, a strategy. Fishing is strategic and requires a plan. Some questions that we can ask are, who are you evangelizing to? You got to know who. How can you best reach them? What do you need to bring with you? Okay, I had to bring scuba diving gear to one. I had to bring cool, the, the guy had cool glasses at another. What are we bringing with us to evangelize? What are some tools that we can use to help reach lost people? Point number three, fishing is a skill that is taught, learned, and practiced. Do you remember when you were first learning to fish? It's like, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but, you know, my dad can help me get the worm on the hook, and then, and then we, you know, cast the, he teaches you how to cast, and even those first few times, the teacher will actually grab the pole, and, the, and as you're holding it, he'll hold it, and he'll cast the, cast the bait out there, and he'll kind of teach you how to do it. With the teacher, without the teacher, I couldn't do anything, but with the teacher standing right there, I could do a ton. Similarly within the San Juans, or similarly in Florida, where if, if I've got this, this guy that knows what he's doing that's teaching me, I can do a lot of stuff, but it requires practice to be able to do it without the teacher, doesn't it? Any fly fishers in here? Fly fishermen? 
Okay? I've never gone fly fishing, but those of you that know a fly fisherman, they will go out in their backyard, and they will practice casting. And you go, what are you doing? There's no water. You're not going to catch any fish. Just telling you. But guess what? They're practicing. So when they go, they know what they're doing. Similarly with evangelism, how many of us have practiced evangelizing? We'll go practice our fishing, but we got to go practice evangelizing too if we want to catch fish. Sometimes it requires practice. Sometimes we need to learn from an expert that knows what they're doing. And I think one way we can learn from an expert is reading books. A little shout out to Wes Sheely. He, um, with a bunch of different authors, um, wrote a book called I Dare You. And it's a super cool book because what it does is it takes different people groups and then, it's, and then it pretty much answers the question, how do you witness to that group? And it's, it's kind of intended for youth, but it can be used for adults as well because it's, it's like, how do, you, how do you witness to this type of a person that's a musical type person? How do you witness to somebody who's crazy about sports that watches sports every weekend? How do you minister to different people? And then it's like, what are some questions that you could ask that could lead you to a Jesus conversation? And read, but I want to encourage you, read a book. Do something to help you get better at evangelizing because evangelism, just like fishing, is a skill that is taught, it's learned, and it's practiced. And if we think back to those disciples too, I mean, they had to learn how to tie, tie knots in their nets. They had to learn how to sail a ship. They had to learn how to, how to find where the fish are going. And had to, I mean, there's so many technical aspects of those disciples. And so when Jesus called them and said, I'm going to have you be fishers of men, they knew, yeah, maybe it's going to be a learning curve. Maybe I'm going to have to learn something. Point number four, fishing changes the fish's life forever. When I was really thinking about what Jesus is asking here, I had this thought. Jesus is asking his disciples to go gather people up and kill them. Because that's what fishing is, right? It's to trap people and kill them. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of a, not a good way to view this analogy. What am I thinking? But then I started thinking about it. And I was like, it's so true because we're, we're not necessarily in this to play catch and release. We're in this evangelism to help people enter into a new purpose and life with God. And man, that, that for them, that fish represented sustenance. And represented, I mean, if they, didn't fi- if they didn't catch a fish, they died because they, they, they needed it to live, was the fish. And so um, as we look at this, though, we are, we are either, as, as human beings, we are either slaves to our sin or we are slaves to Jesus. We are either slaves to our sin or we're slaves to Jesus. And so the Bible even says in, in Mark 8, which is just a few chapters after um, where we're at, is Mark 8, 34. It says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. We're asking people to die to themselves, which is a big ask. I mean, that's a big deal for a fish to get caught, right? I mean, that's a big deal. But for a person, that's a big deal too. But the cool thing is, is that when people do that, you know, because you maybe were that fish once that had to get caught. You know that when you're, life, when you're living a life of sin and you're in darkness and then you are brought out of that water, when you're brought into the world of Jesus and you, you see for the first time that when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. And it is an amazing, awesome, wonderful thing that there are people, like I said, that are in this city, there are people that are in our schools, there are people in our workplaces that don't even know that Jesus loves them. But when they encounter the one true God, what's going to happen is that they're going to come alive and they're going to they're live like they've never lived before. Guys, we're in this 
not to just play catch and release, but we're in this to change people's eternities. That's a big deal. God wants you and me to help change people's eternities. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God can use us to help advance his kingdom here on earth. I'm going to read that again. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God can use us to help advance his kingdom here on earth. Greg, you can go ahead and come up. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and just take a time of reflection. I've got, I've got five different things that we want to, I want to reflect on um, before we go this morning. First one is this. As I was talking about this relationship with Jesus and coming into the light, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, I don't really know if I've ever started a relationship with Jesus. I don't know if, I don't know if, um, if I've really asked for forgiveness of my sins. I don't know if I'm really saved. And if you're, if you're wondering, am I saved? If that's you, with everybody's heads down, if that's you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Awesome. Awesome. I can tell you this morning, it's super easy to know if you're saved. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful, he is just, he will forgive us of our sins, he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus went to that cross. He died on that cross for a purpose. He died so that he could take the punishment, not only of your sins, but the sins of the whole world upon him. So that when we go to heaven, when we stand before God, God is not no longer going to see you and your sin. He's going to see Jesus standing in front of you. Each person in this room can leave washed white as snow. And it's not about our works. It's not about what we do. It's all about what he has done. And so if you want to pray this prayer with me, I know that it's, it's simple, but if it's coming from your heart, God says if we confess with our mouths that he is Lord, and if we, if we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive our sins. So if you want to pray this prayer, you, you can pray it with me, but it's just as simple. It says, God, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I know that I made so many mistakes. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. I want to live for you. Second thing this morning is maybe as we were talking about Jesus, you know, gathering the Avengers, gathering a team, maybe this morning you're feeling alone. And you're feeling like, man, God, I'm trying to change the world, but I'm trying to do it alone and I don't have any friends to help. I don't have any, I don't have a, I'm not really connecting anywhere and I, I, need to, I, need, I need to connect with other people so we can encourage each other. And if that's you, if you're just kind of feeling like alone and that you need a team, if that's you, just slip up your hand. I'm gonna pray for you. Okay, I see your hands. God, just like you called the disciples together, God, I pray that each one of us would not only have, would not only be a disciple, but God, that we would have disciples. God, I pray that we would be pouring into the lives of other people, but God, I pray that also that other people would get a pour into, the, into our lives. And so, God, I just pray that, that those people that raised their hands this morning, God, that, you, that this week even, God, you'd bring the right people in their lives to surround them. God, you'd bring the right mentors into their life. God, you'd bring people into life that they could have a chance to mentor. But we're not intended to do it alone. God, we thank you, though, with, with you and us, God, we're a majority. And God, we can change the world with your help. And then this morning, if, as, as we were talking about the disciples, they were, they were in the boat, and then Jesus said, come and follow me. 
and they immediately dropped their nets and followed. And maybe this morning you've been called by God, but you're still holding on to something. I don't know what it could be for you, but maybe you're like, you know what, I want to go all in with Jesus, but there's this thing. And if that's you this morning, if you're like, man, I want to go all in, but I've been just struggling with this, this one thing that I need to just get rid of, if that's you, just slip your hand up. God, I, I thank you that, that you are the one that calls us. God, maybe you are, you are calling us even now as, we, as we're praying. God, maybe you're working on someone's heart to, to be called to be a minister exactly where they're at in their job, in their place of employment. Maybe you're calling them to be a missionary in their school campus. God, maybe you're, you're calling them to walk deeper with you in their relationship. Maybe you're calling them to get water baptized. I don't know what it is, but God, I pray that you would speak to your people this morning. And God, I pray that as you call us, God, I pray that we would not hesitate, but God, that we would run after you immediately, just like the disciples did. And then this morning, as we, we talked about our heart, the fact that sometimes we need a, a heart check. And sometimes it's, it's not necessarily that that we don't care about the loss, it's just that we get busy. Maybe we get busy, we get stressed with our own work or our own um, sports or our own school or whatever it is we're doing, and we, and we forget the fact that, that, God, you have called us to be fish, to fish for people. And so if there's anybody in the room, maybe you're just sitting there going, man, God, I, I want to have a, a deeper passion for the, for the lost people that are around me. If that's you, then you're like, I want to I have, have your heart for missions. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. A lot of hands going up. A lot of hands. God, I pray that as, you, if you, as you've seen those hands, God, that's a prayer that you love to answer. And God, this morning we ask, we say, God, we can't, we can't do it on our own, but God, we need your Holy Spirit to, uh, to give us your heart for the lost. God, I pray that every day our heart would break for what is breaking your heart. God, I pray for the lost people of our, of our city, of our, of our schools. God, I pray that you would empower this church to be uh, fishers of people, God. That you would give us your heart. And then lastly here this morning, I want to give you just some time to really pray for people that you know that are lost. And even pray, pray them by name. But I want maybe two or three people, you, I, you, maybe it's a relative for you that you know that is, you've been praying for for years and you've just been, you know what, God, I, I've been praying for 20 years, nothing's changed, I'm gonna quit praying. I wanna tell you this morning, no, keep praying for them. Maybe it's a coworker. I don't know what it is, but just take a moment and just lift them up to Jesus and let's pray for them this morning because prayer is powerful. God, there are so many people that I, I will never have the opportunity to witness to. But God, as a church, we have, we have a, a huge scope of people that we can impact and that we can help change their lives forever. God, I pray for all the names that were just prayed for. 
God, I pray that you would knock on the doors of their hearts. God, I pray just that, uh, that maybe people that are, are so far gone, God, I pray that, that we would not give up hope on them, but God, that we would continue to pray for them. Just like you saved the apostle Paul who was murdering Christians, God, you can save anybody. God, if you can save me, you can save anybody. And so, God, I pray for these names that were just prayed over. God, I pray that you would draw them closer to yourself this week. God, I pray for, um, for us that we would have an opportunity to share your gospel with them this week. God, I pray that when we have that opportunity, we wouldn't shy away from it. But, God, that we would be prepared. God, we'd be strategic. And we would step out in faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you would give us words to say, God. In your name we pray. Amen.